Paranormal Truth and Reality with host Chris Houston. A show for those with a passion for the paranormal. And now, welcome to the show. Welcome to Paranormal Truth and Reality. I'm your host, Christopher Houston, and we are actually guestless uh, this afternoon. Um, My guest was supposed to call in. Unfortunately, they got a little bit backed up, so we're just going to kind of wing it tonight. Uh, Go over maybe a few hot topics in the paranormal, get you prepared for Jason Neal, which is coming up next week. Jason's a great guy, by the way. He just uh, aired on a television show called Ghost Bait. Um, so it'll be kind of fun for you to talk to him next week and kind of get a feel around there. Uh, we had a wonderful time at Ohio State Reformatory. We met Chip Coffey, Amy Bruin, uh, Jason uh, from Ghost Hunters. We had a chance to hang out with old friends for a little while. Sold some t-shirts on the launch of BTCHN, which we just posted some of our new shirts on. And I will give a pre-announcement. This Coming uh, probably fall, we will be putting together a podcast called BTCHN. Now, just so that everybody's aware, and I've given you a heads up on this, the t-shirts are going to start the launch of BTCHN, but this is a more kind of light-sided, fun thing to play around with. We've got some actors in the works that are going to be doing some skits that we're going to pop in on the podcast area and we're going to be doing a few interviews we're going to have some nice little screens hopefully behind us somewhere along the line if not we'll blue screen it and we'll pop them in there but the whole thing here is to let loose a little bit especially here in the paranormal world so you're going to see some unusual things that you're not used to seeing out of myself and the other people involved and i'm going to tell you why in life, things are not fun unless they're a little bitchin'. BTCHN, ladies and gentlemen. So it's going to be a fun, exciting bunch of ridiculously outrageous t-shirts, fun punts and stories. We're going to take some cute little looks at things so everybody can release a little bit. And we're going to take all of this dramatic nature and silly nature and dumb things that go on through social media and across all kinds of other things and we're going to put them in a lighter note i like to say btchn is everything you've always wanted to say but it never came out of your mouth in a polite way of course (laughs) so it's going to be an absolute blast for everybody to kind of tune into i do encourage you to do that it's kind of a reverse method but there's been some things throughout the paranormal in the past 15 years or so that have kind of went to a halt. And what do I mean by halt? Well, here's the reality of things. Obviously, social media and television is a key thing in the paranormal world. As social media and television picked up and the paranormal dropped, real study kind of went to the wayside. More theology and more terms like, well, it's all it's all just theory. Well, it's a guessing game and a blah, blah, and a blah, blah, and a blah, blah started to come out. So here's the reality of the real paranormal situation. Just so you guys know, it's not all theory. And you can contradict me all you want, but I've been in this for 30 years now. I'm going to tell you you're wrong. 
It's not all theological guesses and, and guesswork and so forth. There is theory in it. There is plausibility in it, and there is truth in it. The problem is most of that came to a halt from 1982 to roughly about right now. So the average community is just playing a guessing game. A lot of what happens during the process of those guessing games is things get lost. And we've been in a lost game in the paranormal for almost 23 years, give or take. We've been advancing great and excellently in media and social media. We've been moving awesomely on television shows. In fact, some of the grandfathers of television, if they were to be on tonight, and I had the privilege of talking to one uh, last week. I've talked to this uh, with several of the ghost hunters, believe it or not, within the past three or four weeks. Um, also, several other people, uh, Booth Brothers and a lot of people that started in paranormal television before it was a big thing and then advanced it to what it is today. I've also spoke many times with university specialists, MUFON scientists and specialists that have been in this for over 20 or 30 years, even, believe it or not, cryptozoologists. All within the past four to nine weeks, again, in these conversations, and we all agree to the same thing, and that is today, this isn't going to go any further until people start to work together and realize that the paranormal is a vast place. A lot of things have already been done. It's not anything you've done before, and odds are if you don't work together with the people that are the professionals that do understand and so forth, you're not going to get any further. Now, every time this is mentioned over social media and otherwise, you get attacked for it. Or you're one of those, right? You do things your way and people can't do it differently, right? Oh, gee, you think you know everything, don't you, right? See, this is the biggest problem with the community. And just so that everybody knows, it's not the way the real world works. So let's talk about this a little bit. <clears throat> now, being an expert in scientific history of the paranormal, and I'm not one. I'm not an expert. Don't get me wrong there. But if you want to deem me one and argue with me, being well-known is what I like to say because I'm a professional in the paranormal. I've done research and testing. You're never an expert in everything just so that everybody knows tonight. You're never an expert in everything. Expert is a sales term. You do something for 15 years, you call yourself an expert, then people hire you to train you, blah, 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 blah. It's a sales gimmick. It always has been. That's just the way it works, sales. Um, but there are professionals, and I am a professional in several fields. However, when you go beyond that, am I a professional in deciphering full photographic evidence? The answer is no. I didn't go to photo school. I, I didn't go to photography school. <laughs> Am I a professional videographer that spent 15 years in the field in filmography? The answer is no. I didn't go to film school. Now, I've been taught by several people in film, and I've been shown by several people in photography. So what happens when I run into a situation where I can't decipher something? I hand it off to them. Can I read ancient text? Well, I can read Latin, but I can't read Egyptian. I can't read Celtic. I can't read a lot of other things that are out there. So what do you do in a situation like that? You hand off something you found to an archaeologist, somebody that reads ancient text, perhaps, beyond archaeology. This is how the real world worked 
before television picked up. Now, some television shows have been really great throughout the years of putting it out there and saying, this is also what we do. Hey, I can't determine whether this is Bigfoot's hair, so I'm going to send it off to testing. Hey, I can't determine this, so I'm going to send it off to testing. It's called working together in the professions to make sure something is done right. This is forgotten because of what? Well, here's the eye-opener that everybody should understand, and there's nothing wrong with it, just so that all of you are aware as well. The one thing, other than being allowed to bring out all of the stories, being comfortable with telling people your experiences, being able to talk about the paranormal and so forth, they also brought out one other thing. And and I'm going to mention your name. I apologize, Keith, if um, if it offends you. I doubt it will, though. A gentleman spent time on Unlocking the Unknown, which I help actually produce the show in my spare time for the for the guys. Um, Mr. Keith Age. Keith Age, just so that you know, is a part of the Booth Brothers. The Booth Brothers designed one of the first shows before Ghost Hunters to go on TV. They did several specials on sci-fi. They ran off to do several other things. Long story short, he's been around for almost 40 years. Um, anyway, he mentioned something that has also been mentioned by uh, Jason Hawes several times. It's been mentioned by several other people several times. It is not to offend the ghost hunting community so that you guys know this, but it is actually true. Ghost hunting today, believe it or not, is the third largest recreational activity in the United States of America. Now, you can actually look up the polls if you decide to in the national polls. Last year, the National Poll Society deemed hunting and fishing to be number one, uh, boating and water skiing to be number two, believe it or not. <clears throat> number three was actually listed as uh, snow skiing and snow sports, snowboarding, snow skiing, snow sports, things along those lines. And guess what number four was? The fourth top recreational activity in the United States of America. Ghost hunting. Not kidding you. So is that a bad thing? The answer is no. <coughs> I had to cough there for a minute. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a bad thing because it's opened up everybody's want to actually go out and search for the things that they could talk about when they were younger. People are fascinated with ghosts. They're fascinated with the paranormal. They're fascinated with Bigfoot. In fact, People go out on their own to look for these things, and that's okay as long as you know the risks and the dangers and so forth because there's a lot of risks and dangers to it. We can get into that in another show when we're talking here in a little while to, believe it or not, a Catholic priest that does work with the Roman Catholic Church that's going to be on here in about three weeks, I do believe. But uh, he's going to be talking about some of those dangers from the religious side. Um, and we're also going to have a few other people on that are fascinating people that have written books and talked about experiences and so forth that we met at Ohio State uh, Reformatory this uh, past weekend. So it's not a bad thing, but you have to understand when you're going into this, and even when you're creating a team, <clears throat> and I've had this debate many, many times. You can argue with me all you want on it, but it's the truth. You're going into it thinking, well, I can start a team not knowing what I'm doing, and I'm going to create it, and I know exactly what I'm doing because I just spent five or six years in it creating my team off of what? You watched a TV show. Yeah, that's not really how it works, guys. Okay. 
Now, I've developed a history through a lot of conversations and a lot of people and doing the research, and I've consistently had some arguments from a bunch, bunches and bunches of people lately because they want to come back and they want to go, oh, you're one of those. You're, you're one of those people that call you an expert, right? You don't get off of your butt, right? Now, just so that everybody understands, I'm going to mention this to you because here's what I have done. And you can research all of this, by the way, if you actually get into your computer and start looking, anybody that's listening. You won't find my name attached to it. Well, you might find my name attached to it. I don't know. I was a minor guy when I started all this, but that's beside the point. There was a, a early, early on, and I'm talking very early on because I was in the last part of this. There was a place called the International Paranormal Research Society. Now, the United States Paranormal Research Society was a part of the International Paranormal Research Society. They were a bunch of college universities, including Ohio State University, Bowling Green University, Michigan University, Harvard University, Yale University, Stanford University, and many other universities, and the professors involved that wanted to research into the paranormal. I did this all the way up until 1982. Some of them continued it until roughly about 1997, even after parapsychology was pulled from the universities, out of a curiosity. Now, during this process, you also had the theologians in some of the Catholic schools and several other theologians that also joined during the process. You had a few metaphysical people, believe it or not, that uh, were very well known, calling themselves psychic mediums and so forth, that also joined this process. It's not anything new, by the way. Think societies like this have came and went throughout history, starting with the Physical Research Society. Physical Research Society started in the 1900s. And ran all the way, believe it or not, the Physical Research Society is actually still running today. Um, but long story short, we were real groups of people from real colleges, real universities, real societies, and real curious people. Because, by the way, I didn't have a degree at the time. I was running around doing all the legwork. Somebody would say, go over there and take some notes. Go over there and set that up. Do me a favor. Ask these questions. So – I mean, most of what they talked about were way over my head at the time, but that's how I got started. Eventually, I advanced through that because of my personal experiences, and then I started digging in to ask questions of other individuals across the paranormal community. And when I mean other individuals, at this point in time, from 1982 to roughly about 2001 or 2002, you didn't just go knocking on doors and going, hey, do you hunt ghosts? <laughs> Nobody even knew what the word ghost hunter meant. When I mentioned that earlier this week, I got arguments. Chris, well, gee, in 1982, there was a book called Ghost Hunters. Hey, you know, in 1956, a, an unknown gentleman wrote a book on ghost hunting. All of that is true, yes. A handful of authors wrote books about the paranormal. And in 1936, in fact, a gentleman, of, as a part of a scientific community, wrote a whole piece called Spirit Hunting. And... He, his deeming was the scientific community was never going to agree to what you were looking for because bottom line was you were looking for absolutely thin air until physical existence was there. You're looking for something totally invisible, hence you're looking for a ghost. Gee, you must be a ghost hunter. So every now and then that word did come up. But let's face it and be honest about it. The, how do you know the answer? If you sat down today, gee, what do I think about when I say ghost hunters? Hmm, I think about a television show that came out in 2004 It was copyrighted by Sci-Fi in 2002 and 2003, who also deemed all of the rights to the name Ghost Hunter and allows communities across the world to use it. 
because it advances every single time they mention the name, somebody searching Ghost Hunters and watching the TV show and ordering the DVDs and giving them more recognition for a show. That's how you know Ghost Hunters. Not from some guy that wrote a book in 1982. See, this is the thing. I'm mentioning all of this just so everybody knows. Because these are the things that happen consistently in the paranormal community that I'm going to be very honest with you on is absolutely ridiculous and totally butt cheesed because here's the reality. Everybody that seems to think they know so much about it that has never asked a college university professor or really went into the research and study and understand that all of this stuff has been done since 1921 and be able to apply that every time they're out in the field doesn't even need to be called a paranormal investigator, which also is technically a made-up name. It all revolves under paranormal research and study and paranormal research, study, and application. It's always revolved around paranormal research, study, and application. People didn't like the word ghost hunter, so they said paranormal investigator. And about 2008, four years after Ghost Hunters came out because people started watching the television show and thought they could mimic the same thing. So they went out and bought the equipment, which, by the way, was put there for TV purposes. And when they found out they weren't catching ghosts at locations all the time, like the TV shows, they wanted to say, OK, well, that's obviously being faked a little bit or it's being an exaggerated a little bit. This is not the way it really works, so I'm going to call myself an investigator. <laughs> I know it sounds silly. I know I'm going to anger a lot of people by saying this, but it is the truth, and you need to face that truth a little bit because the real world of paranormal study is a fascinating thing, and there's no way the scientists are going to be accepted in your community until you realize these facts. It sounds blunt. It sounds like argumentative, and when I say this, I am not downtreading the community in any way, shape, or form, just so everybody knows. The paranormal community and the investigators out there are fascinating people. It's a wonderful community. It's a great recreational community. It's an awesome bunch of people that believe in ghosts and spirits and demons, and they believe in Bigfoot, and they believe in cryptids, and they believe in UFOs. It's a fascinating place to be with a bunch of wonderful people that have great miraculous stories. And if you get lucky, as another famous friend that I'm hoping to have on the show eventually again says, maybe you'll catch a ghost or two. And that's Mr. Peter Sacco, who also has a wonderful TV show that he did for years. He's rebirthing one right now. Very fascinating storyline that he's got. I encourage you to look him up. So I'm not downtreading the paranormal community. I'm discussing your reality of the situation, uh, and that is really, really the case that's going in. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm losing my voice here. Um, so basically what you're looking at in the situation of the paranormal community is this has all been overdrawn, and now a bunch of people want to come in and think that they did it first, that they want to bully other people that, by the way, do have more experience than you and are willing to teach you if you get your egos out of the way because they taught me. Everything that I bring to everybody in this community, yourself, all of you listeners that are out there, every week I bring somebody in, and that's going to continue. 
we're in a little bit of a pause because of convention times, if you're wondering why I've had two shows with just me. But we do have guest lineups coming. All of the people you've seen on the shows, all of the words you've ever read, even the books that are coming out that I'm producing, all of this is from other people's teachings. I did not learn this on my own. Granted, we do not have a training manual when you go out to look for a ghost. It's not the way it works. But we do have literally over 80 years of scientific research, and that's right, yes, scientific research. Believe it or not, we have over 80 years of physical papers on things that have been caught. We have over 80 years of logical explanations to weed through. None of this has been done before. Absolutely none of it. Whatever you're creating right now, somebody built before you. Whatever you're looking into right now, somebody looked into before you. So how do we get around all of that? Well, the only way to truly define it all in the end is to get back to science, to get back to the data, to get back to the understanding. When you consistently come back and you want to argue about the word, oh, I guess you're an expert. You understand how stupid that makes you sound? And I'm going to be very blunt about that for anybody that's listening to me. Do you understand how stupid that makes you sound? You're coming back because you want you don't want to accept the fact that you didn't read into somebody's statement properly or ask more questions by blatantly trying to attack somebody that never once odds are called them an expert in anything. You want to come back and you want to fight about the word professionals. Oh, professionals. Here's the deal, guys. If you honestly are not willing to listen to somebody that's been in a business 20 years longer than you, you don't need to be here. Because you're not going to learn, and you're going to be a thorn in the side. And I'm going to tell you right now, because I've seen it come and go for years, you're not going to remain. It's not the way it works. But if we all work together, and you start learning from the people that are older than you, even if you don't believe them, by the way, because this goes with every field. I believe in the logistics and the science, right? But I can't tell you I haven't learned something from a psychic medium, and I can't tell you I haven't learned something from somebody in a metaphysical. I can't tell you I haven't learned something from somebody that's in a different belief system than me. I've learned from everybody. Anybody that has ever had more information about a subject than me, I have learned something from. That is why you respect me, ladies and gentlemen, and that is why you listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, and that is why you read my stuff, ladies and gentlemen, because it's always something else that one of you have taught me. And the only way you're going to be able to understand other people without all this silly nature is to do the same. Point blank. It sounds blunt on the show tonight, but you know what? These are things that everybody needs to hear anyway, to be frankly honest with you. I'm not trying to be a gripe session, and I'm not trying to tell everybody anything to get them angry. I love the paranormal community. And I love every one of you in it. But I do want you to understand the paranormal community itself has advanced in many, many ways. In a 30-year process of me seeing it, and I know people that have been in it 40, 50, and 60 years. 
In fact, I know some people that are in some of the most famous programs or were supporting some of the most famous stories you have ever heard or seen on TV. And every one of them will tell you the same thing. Right now, it is failing because we are at a halt. And we're at a halt because everybody's at each other's throats. Nothing's getting done. We hit this big peak in the paranormal when fame hit television, and we spiked, man, in 2012. I mean, we rode the wave. And then that wave started to go down because everybody wanted to be on TV, and that's it. Nobody wanted to learn. Nobody cared about that history anymore. Nobody wanted to apply science. Nobody wanted to research. What did you want to do? You wanted to have a nice recreational piece of fun. And that's okay. I get it because it is fun being out there, guys. I really do. It's fun having your camera. It's fun looking at your gadgets. It's fun doing things out there. It's fun to hope to get a ghost. It's great to conglomerate at these conventions, especially, and do hunts with people because you get to learn some things from other people. It's fun. I get all of that. I really do. But to say otherwise, if you're a serious investigator out there in the field and not apply the science and want to argue with those people that were from the scientific communities that were there for 40 and 50 years that do know what they're talking about to look at that research and to not open your eyes standing there thinking because you've done it for four or five or six years out of fun by the way or producing a tv show not a tv show on tv most of these people don't by the way listeners just so that you know and i will very uh, graciously add this Many people with a fascination in the paranormal create YouTube shows. The very few get lucky and create Amazon or Netflix shows. And there are some out there that have done that. Kudos, by the way, on you that have done that. I know I've had a lot of people go back and forth on these Amazon shows, and and some Amazon stars will argue with others. Some Amazon. Here's here's my deal. I'm not going to argue with any of you, dude. You got on Amazon. You created 13 episodes. No offense to anybody, but that's more than what I've created. (laughs) So I say good for you. Whether people hate your show or whether people love your show, you did something right. (laughs) Um, But most of these people do YouTube shows. And then they promote it with their own podcasts. And they promote it uh, with their own documentaries. And they ride like what I like to call the... uh, The gravy train of fame. The gravy train of pseudo-fame. And I'm going to be just honest with you. It's a gravy train of pseudo-fame. Real production companies, by the way, very rarely fully look at your YouTube programs or your television programs, just so everybody knows. You're going to put together a little video talking about who you are. If you're lucky, you'll sign a two-year contract and get absolutely nowhere. The occasional person gets lucky when they talk to very grateful and gen- uh, generous people like Elizabeth Saint and Nick Groff, and they end up on Viddy, which is a smaller location. By the way, Alex Bob and his crew just did a Viddy movie, uh, a Viddy show. It's a documentary, two-hour documentary. Good friends of mine. I do encourage you to look at it. It's from Madhouse Productions. If you're not a part of Viddy, sign up on Viddy. Take a look at Madhouse. Wonderful documentary, by the way. Very well put together by the guys. Point being, that is a very rare situation. Most production companies will sign you into a contract, and then they'll put you in what they call the bottom floor. You know what the bottom floor is, just so everybody knows? 
this is really the truth, by the way. Any of you that have ever been in the production companies, and Donald will probably laugh about this because he knows a few people. If David's listening to me at the Omen House, he'll laugh about this because he knows a few people. Um, here's the deal. When you're putting television shows together and movies together, about 60% of everything that ever gets filmed as a pilot episode never hits the air. If not, a little bit more. you got to have all this stuff in a back court. Now, I've known this for years, and again, Mr. Boot just mentioned this on a show. He's known this, obviously, and I've known this because I've worked with the production company, production companies for many, many years. You know, I, I've seen things come and go in audio and video and so forth. But what happens is you get signed on a two-year non-compete clause. Hey, look, let's talk about a pilot episode. Eventually, you provide them a pilot episode, and you know what? You're stuck in that two-year agreement. You don't have squat. You have your one pilot episode. You may have called a documentary. Now you're sitting on your butt, and at the end of the two years, that's in a vault somewhere on the bottom floor. It is a true fact that only one to one and a half percent of all pilot episodes ever filmed get to television at all. But you have to collect at least 100, 200 of those a year to have that one percent that's going to click. <coughs> Excuse me. On top of that, sometimes pilot episodes can get re-aired 10 years later because I just bought the rights. I just bought those rights from you. It is now mine. It is sitting on my floor. There's nothing you can do about it. I'll give your name credit for it when it comes out. Don't have a problem with that. That's in the agreement. But if I feel like reducing releasing this five years later, I will. So most of you guys striving for TV shows over and over and over and over again, you're not going to get there anyway. But kudos for trying because it takes a lot of work to do that, and I mean a lot of work. Guys, I sold off all my video. I still haven't collected it from my partner yet. It's got to go out. Somebody else is going to put a documentary together. I tried it. I'm going to tell you right now, sitting behind a computer doing video editing 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it's not fun. Even BTCHN is going to have a contracted editor to take all the stuff that we do and put it together into something that looks cool because it's not easy to do. And every one of you that go out there and do that, you deserve a pat on the back for doing so because it's not an easy job. Looks like my guest is in on line one, so we'll pop her in and we'll start talking a little bit of shop, and I will stop running my mouth. <laughs> so, Donald, when you're ready, you can pipe her right on in. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, Jennifer, you with me? Yeah, I'm here. Beautiful. Well, I was just running my mouth about a half a dozen things throughout the process while we were waiting on you, so... We are speaking to Jennifer. Jennifer, I'm going to let you introduce yourself a little bit and and your show a little bit and uh, and who you are. All righty. Well, thank you for having me on. I apologize for being late. The email with your number just came in. Oh, that's in all the right. middle of Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm the owner of B, well the founder of BSR Paranormal out of Indiana. I also own Paracrypted Tours and Investigations which we offer a little bit different than most of the ghost hunting tours you do. We offer hotel accommodations as well, and we do more of like a tour company style 
investigation. So if we go to Hillview Manor, within an hour is Niagara Falls, and you have the option to swing by there with us too. And then I'm also the founder of the first annual Women's Prairie Retreat that will be held in Mansfield, Ohio this June. And next year we will have ManCon, and that is tentatively scheduled for August at the Ohio State Reformatory as well. So now, what else would you the, like to know about me? <laughs> the female para retreat actually is very unique, and I'm 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 excited for that because a lot of people don't understand. A lot of listeners don't understand that the one thing in in the para community is is a lack of, and I I don't I don't know how to to really state this right, but uh, the easiest way would say female unity. There's a lot of female investigators out in the field, but they don't get a lot of recognition. Right. Um, and I'm not really sure why, because I got to be honest with you, some of the best investigators I ever met were female. <laughs> and, well, thank you. And, you know, you're not the first guy to say that. Uh, I'm really good friends with the founder of Psy, which is Southern Indiana Ghost Hunters. And he says the same thing. He can walk in a room and nothing will happen. And Barb and Deb will walk in and all kinds of activity will happen. And they've had some really good evidence themselves down at Stonehaven Manor. Stonehaven, I hear, is a unique place. I've never had the privilege of being there quite yet, but uh, it's on my list. <laughs> you could join us for National Ghost Hunting Day. We're going there again this year. Awesome. Yeah, I'd be yeah, really glad to, to do that, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's a good place. Last year was the first time I had been there. And Barb was watching me on the opposite end of the room where we're doing our live stream for our National Ghost Hunting Day. Uh And I would move out of the doorway, and she said a shadow would follow me. And every time she would try to get a photo of it, it would hide. And we were upstairs in the, forgive me, I don't remember the owner. I think their last name was Powell originally. And we were upstairs in the main bedroom, and I asked, we were running the SV7 and had a millimeter out, and I asked, I said, why are you following me? And a male came through and said, to protect you. I asked what they were protecting me from, and I never got another answer. It's a really good spot to investigate. I'm looking forward to going back. That sounds like uh, a... uh... A unique spot. Well, unique spot may be a dangerous spot for females sometimes. If there's something protecting you, then there's something he's protecting you from. <laughs> um, well, but, that would lead into a cryptid. Barb was actually outside with another lady that was there. And at, there's actually an episode on the YouTube channel that I have that they discuss the cryptid they saw outside. It made both of them very sick. And Barb said, hey, follow me up to the house. I told her if she does that again, I'm going to lock her out with it and you can eat her. (laughs) But I'm not sure what it was. You say it made them sick? Did they feel sick to their stomach? Did they feel like, hmm. They they got sick. They Hmm. fell to their knees and threw up. And uh, their equipment quit working. 
everything just died. I think so I know all the what electronics? it was, but I can't say for sure. Yep. Yeah, that would uh, range around probably an electromagnetic disturbance of some sort. That's interesting. Well, the next morning we walked around the property, and you know how alarms will beep? We heard a beeping noise, and it would follow us wherever we went. And the owner, who is Steve Miller, he said he had never heard that before, and nobody had reported anything like that to them. Huh. I have so no make, idea what it was. Makes you wonder what's really going on uh, out there. Does it have... Um... Is, does it have multiple claims there? Do they claim to see virtually everything from, like, UFOs to cryptids to ghosts to a little bit of everything there? Is it isolated generally to ghost activity? That's what it's mostly been until she saw that. And I guess there was a big shadow standing behind me out at the fire pit. And I heard something run really fast through the brush that was behind me. So I... Personally, I think they may have a Sasquatch out there. Huh. Well, you know, I know there's a lot of theory about – different theory about Sasquatch. Um, some people think that he slips through multiple planes, so to speak. Um, some people think he's related to UFOs. Um, some people think that, you know, he's a creature or an ape man that has just existed for years and walked along with all of us. Um, but one of the things that I think is unique a lot of times with the claim, and this is something I don't know if a lot of people know or not being into uh, cryptids, you probably know this. Uh, and I know uh -huh. other cryptid people I've talked to. One of the things that's unique is Bigfoot a lot of times does show up with electro electromagnetic disturbances and generally around the same places where UFO sightings are available. Um, and I'm not I've sure why. <laughs> Me either. I've heard that. I've heard that theory as well. It, well, and the question – it begs a question for me, though, whether it's Bigfoot or whether it's just the avenues or areas. There's a location in Kentucky that we're going to be filming at this summer and that uh, I'm inviting a lot of different teams to come through throughout this process from the famous to the not-so-famous to get their opinions on. But it is a state park. Uh, it's virtually untouched. It has claims of Bigfoot, UFOs. One of the first UFO sightings, by the way, in Kentucky was just down the road from this place. Um, it has hauntings. People have committed suicide in the cabins that they took off. Um, a little bit wow. of everything in the area. Yeah, massive, massive history to the place. Um, and I'm curious to see because most people talk about all the locations like Skinwalker Ranch having everything and a couple other places having everything, but nobody's really dove into it with the exception of one other person. I won't mention his name tonight because he didn't, um, he didn't tell me it was okay to do so, but he's bought a house that has a lot of activity and he's going to be recording that, that house. It has a wonderful story to it, but um, I'm just, I want to dive in and get many people's opinions on a situation like that. Cause if you can find a, hot spot so to speak that has activity out the wazoo like that and you're actually yeah. getting activity from people then there's got to be some connection there <laughs> and it's funny that you mentioned kentucky because i was talking to my cousin this week 
and she said, you need to come down here this summer. And she lives in Kentucky, and they have all kinds of activity down there. And my family's from there on my dad's side, and my mom grew up in West Virginia. And my grandma used to talk about, you better get in the house before it gets dark or the booger man or the boogers will get you. And my mom said when I was little and we lived in Kentucky that every night after he went to work, and now that I'm older and have researched Sasquatch, I think it was a Sasquatch that did this. It would go from one end of the house to the other and not along the back every huh. night after he went to work. Coming and out there wasn't you. much room between that and the mountain. Well, it could have been, I and mean, there's a lot of uh, – America has kind of lost tradition. That, that's the one thing I like about um, Europe and the UK. If you start talking to a lot of them, they still believe in fairy and fey folk. Um, right. And to them, fey folk go <laughs> – they're a lot different than flying little fairies that have wings that grant wishes. Uh, <laughs> so – most of the fey folk, from the large to the small, generally did spend a lot of time on about or around wooded areas or to protect wooded areas, hills, and so forth. And when communities would move in, they'd always stay right along that shore, that, that shoreline, I guess you could say, or tree line, to make sure uh -huh. you didn't cross into their territory. And if you did, you got taken away, especially if you were a kid. <laughs> I've got two in the back seat. Maybe I should take them out to the woods. They're acting up. <laughs> <laughs> They're back there trying not to be noisy, but they are. <laughs> you can hear them laughing. But, well, I, yeah. I can relate with that. I have a daughter of my own, so. <laughs> so yeah, right now, later. So now you've probably investigated all... All across, well, I know you probably investigated all across the state of Ohio, but um, how many investigations have you done now? Oh, gosh. I started back in 2009 professionally with the team, and we do at least two investigations a month. I, you know, I'm not even sure. I can't even remember <laughs> everywhere we've been. Plus, we do the public events. And National Ghost Hunting Day, and I don't know, probably, oh, what, 224, probably over 100, 200. It's a lot of investigations. No, I never really thought about it. <laughs> yeah, and a lot, a lot are repeat places. There's a location over here in Indiana I go two to three times a month because it's so active, and the spirits there are familiar with this. So we get a lot of good responses. You know, I'm, I'm glad, glad you mentioned those places. I'm glad you mentioned that, though, because that's something I think a lot of young investigators don't get that a lot of senior investigators, once you get past that five or six year realm. And uh, I had my I was having a little rant about this earlier. Um, old paranormal study and research. That was a part of that process. Uh, you, you go back to places. And sometimes spend years there um, yep. because you can't be there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you can, that's great. Do two or three weeks at a time, which is very, very rare. But 
in order to really understand the activity, sometimes you have to repeatedly go back there and set back up and spend the time with it and really dive in because you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. And I, I really think it changes from season to season. At this location, it's now they have a um, World War II display. It's a museum we go to. And they just brought in a new display of World War II, and it's a whole different kind of activity now compared to the normal one. Compared to when it, when that was not there. Well, you know, I've heard that a lot, especially when you're bringing in new items and new activities. Um, and I think probably maybe, you know, from a scientific end, it's probably – uh, residual energy more than anything else, a residual situation. Everything being connected the way we know it is, um, it's very logical that if you have a piece of Civil War history, as an example, that was in the middle of a very large battle that was very predominant in the time, that it's still going to carry the presence of that battle and everybody that died there. Um, take right. that and add it to another situation where something else is going on and there's something over here, now you've got two conflicting energies kind of popping right against each other. So it's going to change the whole environment. <laughs> we we noticed in the bullpen where we were at, where most of the World War II displays were, that was more where whoever is attached to the uniforms stayed there, where the people who are normally in the jail, the spirits that remain there year-round, they were more in the living quarters. They had moved around and gave them space. It was kind of different. We had noticed that. It's like but I have it's a, a nice question. place. It's like I have a okay. question from somebody that came in, believe it or not, on the messenger because they're listening tonight. Um, they wanted to know if your group is consists of all female investigators or if you have male and female investigators on the team? Well, right now we have females and then most all females except for the one lady's nephew. So we have male and female. You know, I, yeah, no, I think she, that, I think um, she told a few oh, people that um, we were all female. And then she said, oh, yeah, my nephew, I forgot. <laughs> you know, I, I've actually learned it's good to have a mixture from time to time. Being the observer a lot of times out in, in the field, um, I can take an all-male team and pull them out of a location and drop a whole female team in and the thing go crazy. Uh -huh. Or vice versa, have a whole female team in there, the place be dead for about four hours, pull them out, put a male team in there for four hours, and the whole place go crazy. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Yeah, I'm not sure why, I know. it does happen. The um, location that we go to, there's a young lady that was killed there. They ran out of marriage. They don't have okay. a... Hey, Ariana, you're being rude. Here, Miss. Sorry, I've told her multiple times when I'm on the phone not to bug me, but as I was saying, over there where we go, 
there's a young lady that's about 22, 23 that was killed, and she adores Damien. She'll whisper in his ear, and she'll touch him. And he's 17, 18. And I'm sure he's got a little bit longer hair on top, and that's very different for her for the, you know, compared to when she passed away, how guys look then compared to now. So she loves when he comes to visit her. And there's a gentleman there that was lynched and taken outside that tends to follow me around when I go over there. It's a really interesting spot. It's nice to have a connection to certain locations. Yeah, I um, I spend a lot of time in two places uh, now that I've, I'm fascinated with the place. Now that I've been there twice, I'm going up there again two more times this summer, Octagon Hall in Kentucky, um, because yeah. it fascinates me. I mean, it, the building just totally fascinates me. I've gotten activity twice now that's unusual, and I spend a lot of time. And I know it's been done to death, but I spend a lot of time at Post Town. I go up to Post Town at least twice a year um, because of some unique situations that have happened there. Um, so it's cool. It's cool to have a connection to a place. <laughs> I haven't made it to Post Town yet, other than when I went for a dog man event, and we met there. And Jody <coughs> Cook he discussed what dog men are and. He gave a presentation about it. That's the only time I've ever been in there, but it is on our list. We had we were going to try to do Potestown this year and didn't get a chance to. Well, you should come up or with us. We haven't got a chance to. Yeah, you should come I'd up with us. We'd love to have to you. Come. <laughs> yeah, we, we'd love to come. I'm actually, actually going to be uh, over. Tech convention there, and hopefully it's this summer if Daryl gets a chance to work it out. So it'll be um saturday and sunday that we're going to be running the tech convention so people will be able to come in they'll get a few autographs from a few people they'll be i'm trying to get all the major texts that you see on facebook out there so that they can show off their stuff and do a little presentation on what they do and how they do it and uh then we're going to just all get together and do an investigation everybody but me i'm going to sit in the command center all night and videotape everybody (laughs) hey that's just that's helping out as much as anybody in the field. You know, you can see things that's not that they can't see and let them know. I really need a tech person in my life. So. <laughs> well, that's actually what I do. I mean, I love getting out there with the investigators, but I'm the science guy. And science has been lost in the paranormal for quite a long period in time. So I set up all the devices and all the cameras in every room and outside the building and so forth and connect it to three, four, five, six, seven monitors. And then I just sit back and let everybody do their thing all night (laughs) Um, because of that precise purpose. If somebody's saying – I'm getting activity here. I'm seeing it on the screen that you're getting activity. If I get spikes anywhere to match that, you've got everything you need. Uh, and then there you go. There's your data. <laughs> yeah, I I really need to get someone in there for us. But we do have membership drives at the end of the year. And we're just so busy throughout the year, I don't have time to interview people all year long. So we do those. I'm going to start doing them at the end of the year this year. And then in January, we hit the ground running again. 
Well, that's the way it works a lot of times. Listeners, just so that you know, you listen to BBS Radio. BBS Radio is actually one of the largest digital radio stations here in the United States of America. If you're going to go with the best, I do encourage you to contact Donald. Go with BBS Radio. Wonderful gentleman. He'll take very good care of you. We will be out next weekend in Antioch, Illinois. Hunt the town of Antioch. There's going to actually be a lot of celebrities there once again we're going to get some more pre-records put those pre-records from osr and the pre-records from this together so that donald has one big blowout with bbs radio uh, bbs radio's banner will be behind me we're going to try to do a live friday night at antioch i'm not sure if we'll be able to do that or not or if i'll be starting on saturday uh, but uh, either way we'll we have a guest lineup during that period in time and we're going to be doing it hopefully live at the location it depends on how my work day goes because it's uh, about a six or seven hour trip the i do believe that they still have some tickets available for that so i would encourage you to look into it a little bit it's called hunt the town antioch and uh it's going to be a big blowout they've got several locations that are there we've got vendors setting up across the town including uh ghost site Bitchin' Ware, which just aired a little bit of their work at Ohio State Reformatory to see if we were going to get a response. We did get a fairly good response, so we'll be up there with our new lineup and some of the lineup we introduced at Ohio State Reformatory. Um, oh, there's going to be a massive cast of people. I wish I had my list, but you'll be fascinated. There's going to be Ghost Hunters International there. Um, there's going to be some local celebrities there. A couple of people from The Walking Dead are going to be there. Uh, just an amazing set of people, so I encourage you to look up. We are talking to Jennifer. Jennifer, in the last few minutes of the show, are there, is there uh, any websites or anything you want to direct people to so that they know where to find you? Yeah, I can do that. We have a Facebook page for both the team, which is BSR Paranormal and Paracryptid Tours and Investigations. And our websites are bsrparanormal.com and paracryptidtoursandinvestigations.com. And most of our events are public this year, and you can find all your tickets and packages on Thriller Events, and that's thriller.events. So you've heard it there. Make sure that you go to thriller.events and check out all of the situations. Next week's show, Jason Neal will be joining us. Jason Neal actually is on Ghost Bait. He did the first episode of Ghost Bait. I do believe he's still working with them there, which is a show that just came out on the Travel Channel. Very controversial show. Some people talk good about it. Some people talk bad about it. But that is not my job to talk about either way. My job is to talk about the individuals and how they enjoyed the show and what they're doing. So I encourage you to actually tune in for next week's show. I'm going to end this the way I do every single week, even though it was short. Jennifer will get you back on for a full um, 45 minutes or so. Uh, so I'll keep in touch with you so we can get you back on the air and talk a little bit more about experiences and situations. In the paranormal, truth should always be the reality you look for. Whether you're starting in it new, whether you're starting in it old, I encourage everybody to work together. The first part of the speech today was all about the fact that so many people want to argue about so many words that don't matter. Here's the reality. Whether you're new or whether you've been in it for 20 years, you're going to learn something different from everybody. You're going to talk about experiences, and you're going to have a little bit of fun while you're doing it, and that's what it's all about. And hey, like I said before, and an old friend of mine, Peter Sacco, by all means, once again, look him up. Maybe you'll catch a ghost or two.
<laughs> That's our show for the night. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week.